Welcome back to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. Our mission is to share what we have learned from our experience and the experience of others to help you make more money investing like a pro. We want to teach you how to create wealth by investing in real estate the Discount Property Investor way. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, visit FreeWholesaleCourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. Thanks for tuning in. All right, I think we can all agree that every new investor struggles with the same issues. They're out there finding deals, they're broke, and there's a tremendous amount of anxiety trying to figure out how to fund these deals once they have them under contract. I was no different. And if you've read my book, The Ultimate Guide to Wholesaling Real Estate, then you'll know that I launched my career by flipping my first few houses using 0% interest credit cards. The rules are a little bit different today than when I did it, but believe me, it can still be done. And there's a company out there that will help you shortcut this entire process. I want you to go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding, and you can learn about how much you can get in the first round of funding so you can fund your deals. Just complete the quick questionnaire, and they will shoot you back a number as to how much you can expect in a very short period of time so you can get started funding those deals. And over time, those numbers will increase. Now, how well do I know this company? I've been referring this company since 2015, so almost five years. I've had over 100 of my students join this company, and they've raised several million dollars to help these students get funding for their deals. I know this because I know these students personally, and I talk to them very often about the process. The most you can get in your first year is $240,000 worth of potential 0% cash advance money. But even if you only get $100,000, it's better than nothing, and it can make you a small fortune flipping houses. Just go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding and check it out for yourself. Don't wait until you've lost fifteen dollars or $20,000 to check these guys out. It might be too late if you do that. you got to go ahead and stay, stay ahead of the curve on this one, guys. Go to dpipodcast.com forward slash funding and be prepared to fund the deals when you find them. Let's do it. Closing deals. Closing deals, guys. This is the fun part. Take two. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh man. So we were we were playing around with the settings here, and uh, we forgot to start recording. But yeah, hey, 10, 15 minutes later. That's we okay. are. Uh, we're doing four uh, K. I think we're we can do it better to... now because we, we kind of bounced around a little. We got all the junk run. out of our head. Yes. Man. All right. So let's talk about where we're at if we're going to be thinking about closing a deal. We've gone through Closing the steps of wholesaling, guys, and that's what we're talking Let's about. Briefly here today. touch on them. We so, marketed of our motivated sellers. Step one, we figured out what wholesaling is. Step two, we're marketing to motivated sellers. Uh, we're trying to find some good deals. What's the next day? Analyzing. We're going to figure out what that property's worth. And we're, we're going to reverse engineer an offer. We're going to figure out the maximum amount we can offer. We're going to then negotiate with that seller. Then we're going to. Get it under contract, right? By securing the deal. We're going to use a contract to gain control. Send a bunch of offers. One of them finally gets accepted. We've negotiated a great price. Next, we go to market the deal. And we use a checklist. We've got a big marketing checklist we like it. to use. 
We go through a bunch of steps, we get that property sold, and then we meet someone and they say, hey, Dave, I really want to buy this house. Okay, from you. role play. Let's do it. Mike, you're a seller. I'm a seller. We All just right. we just put a property under contract last week over on Virginia for about forty two grand. Mm -hmm. We decided we want to keep it. We were gonna wholesale it, but it's gonna make for a good project for us. So let's say that you had that property listed and marketed, you know, marketed out mm -hmm. for fifty nine thousand. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's a good spread between forty two, right? And I'm a buyer. I see the marketing on Facebook or Craigslist, or maybe I get an email because I'm on your buyers list, Mike. And I say, hey, this looks good. I go out and I look at it. And then I call Mike up. Ring, ring. Mike says, hello. And I say, hey, Mike, I saw the property that you're marketing for 59. I even went and looked at it already. It looks really good. I would like to make you an offer to buy it, but I can't pay 59. Can I, will you accept 55 if I can close quickly? And I don't have, you know, a bunch of contingencies. So then as a, as a wholesaler, as a seller, I'm going to talk to Dave. And I want to interview him and find out if he's legit too. So I want to know, hey, Dave, okay, you said you can close quick. That's great. So are you a cash buyer, Dave? That's what I want to know next. Dave? Yes, I am a cash buyer. Oh, great. It's not my cash, but I have partners that have cash or a line of credit. Okay. Cash buyer. Awesome. So Same you, thing, right? You, you can close on this date, and I'm going to align that date with my AB contract, guys. So I got this property under contract, and it's scheduled to close on some date. So I'm going to say, hey, Dave, can you close on this day? And you're going to say... Absolutely, I can close on this day. Now, oftentimes, they're going to say something else. I'd love to close sooner. Yeah, I'd love to cash close sooner. Cash buyers always want right. their property tomorrow. So a cash buyer doesn't necessarily mean that it's their cash, but they have the access to the cash. I think I really wanted to find that. So, you know, the opposite of a cash buyer is somebody that has to go get a loan. So when we say cash buyer, they may still have a loan from a private lender, a hard money lender, or even a line of credit, right? But it's it's quick access. And that's really what we mean. It doesn't mean it's their cash but they have quick access to cash to close on it. That's a really good point. So if somebody says, N I uh, I use this long this uh, hard money lender. Great. Here. Are you pre-approved? Cool. You're, you're a cash buyer. Yeah, exactly. Or do they have to get through the property first? Because sometimes the hard money, wonder, hard money lender wants to go see it. Say, okay, cool. Can you get them through without the contract? Yep. If they can't, say, okay, well, I'm still shopping the deal if it's right away. If you're If you're wanting them to get the contract on it, Write up the contract and say subject to this person walking through. Okay, we dig we digress. We did. So you have it under con. You have it, a deal marketed at fifty nine. You bought it at forty two. I come in. I say I want it. I'll pay you fifty five. Can you do fifty five, Mike? Yes, I can, Dave. Okay, deal done. Deal. So we verbally agreed to to get this deal done. Perfect. Now, I'm a cash buyer. I want to close quick. Let's say that you have uh, some inspection periods still, which you do because I know this deal. And your close date is 30 days out and we're three or four days in. So you got basically a month to close. So I say to you, hey, I need to do some inspections, but I don't need to do a ton. I need to do a sewer scope and I need to get my guys out there. Can I have a couple days? Can I have three days? So as a wholesaler, I don't want to do this. But as an investor, I know that sometimes you have to give someone a little bit of leeway. So I've got plenty of time left on my inspection period. So I say, Dave. You had, I think, 20 days. Right. And so you're I've three got, in. You had 17 left. I'm only asking for three. So I would say, Dave, yes, you can do that. I'm going to need you to let me know, though, after those three days right away. Or if anything comes up during those, just let me know right away. Because as you know, I'm a wholesaler and I have to get this property sold. If you don't buy it, I got to find somebody else. Now. I'm committed to this set owner yes. and I need to get it sold. So I would say, yes, Dave, I can. I'm going to limit it. Uh, let's go. Let's jump back out of this, Dave, because we're going to start talking about the contracts. And I want to talk 
uh, before we do that, about our title companies and closing attorneys, if you don't mind. Yep. Before we get into the weeds of contracts. Okay, just real quick, though. Sure. So we've agreed. I'm either going to send him a contract or he's going to send me one and we're going to have it in writing. Excellent. That At that point in time, you should stop marketing it. Or if you do continue to market it, market it as it's under contract, but you're accepting backup offers. Right? You can also use this to build your buyers list because people are going to be calling about it. And you can say, oh, it just sold already. I get a lot of deals, though, in this area. Do you want me to call you when I get the next one? Boom, you're building your buyers list. So we're going to pause from this situation and we're going to talk about the types. What Dave just said, though, you could say it just sold, but I've got he's got three days of inspections. If you want to check it out and he backs out. Go look at it. Yeah. Great so this point. is a great way to build your buyers list Love like that. Dave said. Getting back to first things first. So title companies and closing attorneys. They are going to be required to do deals. So, yes. Not required. We highly recommend you do it. I would make it a requirement for all of my students and your students, of course. You don't need to use them, but it's going to be dangerous because you're not protected. That's the purpose of these two parties, a title company or attorney, is to protect the interests of everybody not just you exactly the seller the original seller you you the wholesaler and the buyer and buyer your end buyer and your end buyer's protection is or is protected because when he fixes it up or decides to sell it in a day or 10 years he can do so at that point too and 95 percent of the time your end buyer is going to want to use a title company absolutely we highly recommend using or or closing attorney so not to dive too deep down the rabbit hole of title companies and attorneys Depending on where you live, one or the other may be more prevalent. I can't speak to outside of the U.S. because I don't know. Uh, But Mike and I live in the state of Missouri, and title companies are the thing here. Attorneys can also close deals in in the state of Missouri. I've done it with attorneys before. And again, I don't know why. I'm pretty sure it's some law that just states that attorneys have to close all real estate transactions. In some states. Exactly. I don't know why. Uh, and there's in even in Missouri, so there's can be debates on oh, should I use a title company or an attorney? Well, it's just pretty common to use title companies, so that's what we do. That's what we do. That's right. Again, they specialize in it. So we're gonna group title companies and attorneys into one category for just a second. Why are they important? Well, we had mentioned that it's about protecting everyone involved's interest, right? But in order for a contract to be legal and valid and the and a property to be under contract, you have to do two things. You have to open escrow with an escrow company. Well, guess what? Title companies are escrow companies. Mm-hmm. Attorneys can also be escrow companies or own escrow companies, but you have to open escrow with an escrow company. That's number one, by delivering your contract. And number two, you have to deposit your consideration for your agreement, which is called earnest money. So Mm -hmm. earnest money goes into an escrow account who is owned by an escrow company, and they're going to facilitate the transaction. They're going to make sure that all the debts are paid whenever it's transferred. And they're also going to make sure that the deed is recorded with the county to, to show the transfer. So the ownership actually changes. So that's why the title companies come into play. Um, they guarantee you that you can sell that property later if you buy it through a title company because you get what's called title insurance. Again, I don't want to dive down this hole too deep, but we highly recommend you use them because it protects not only your interest, but everybody else's interest involved. Okay. Awesome. So moving on. Okay. So we've talked about title companies. 
Now let's talk a little bit about the types of closes. And then, Dave, let's circle back uh, to our contracts and maybe our discussion. Perfect. So we can kind of go into the weeds a little bit more with that Got one. it. Got it. Love that so, idea. So types of closes and why we use the different types of closes. Okay. Uh, I think we talked about ABBC, but if not, let's refresh on that. Sure. One. Sure. Okay. So uh, we're just going to use these, these uh, little symbols. So A would be your seller. B is you, the wholesaler. And C is your end buyer. So your AB transaction is between the seller and you, and you the wholesaler, and your BC is between you, you the wholesaler, and, and the C your end buyer. Okay, so ABBC. All right. So just so we're all on the same page when we start going through some of this stuff, mm -hmm. uh, you can do a double closing, which is where you as the wholesaler go. You it's, have. To, uh, let me help. It's it's separated. It. That's exactly. the easiest way to look at it. It's separated there's because two there's two closings. You are still going to purchase from the seller, right? But simultaneously or, you know, typically on the same day, you're going to then turn around and you're going to sell it to your buyer. You can't sell it to your buyer if you don't buy it first. The cool thing is, is you don't need your own money to do this in most areas. And if not, you can use a transactional funder to help with this. But we in the state of Missouri can do what's called double closes that are dry funded, meaning we can use our end buyer's money. But at the end of the day, you're still having an A to B closing, and then you're selling it B to C. It's two transactions. I just want to make that very apparent. What's also important is you are on the chain of title. So the title company- For is, a second, or a day, exactly, or a week, day, or whatever. Your name is literally going to be recorded on the title of that property. So it's out there, or whatever whatever the name on that contract was that you wrote down is going to be on the Recorded. chain of title. Correct. So that's the ABBC or a double fun, double close. So we called it a dry funded double close means no money of our own, the wholesaler, but the end buyer's money flows through, pays everybody out. Either Very way, cool. though, you have two transactions. You have two sets of costs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there's pros and cons. Let's talk about the pros and cons, and then we're going to move to the assignment talk about those pros and cons. Or should we do the assignment Let's talk first? about assignment and then pros okay, and cons. Okay, I like so it. We can, so, we can so number one is the double close. The second option. The second is the assignment. Go ahead. So the assignment, you've got your AB contract. We already had that, right? Uh, but now, when Dave and I were talking, we say, hey, Dave, uh, you know, I'm only making, you know, $1,000. I'm not making very much money. And again, not using our numbers from before, but I'm not making very much money. Can I just assign this to you? And then that way you just take over my responsibility in this contract. Dave says, sure, I just want to buy the property. So an assignment of the contract is another piece of paper, and you're going to state on there that Dave is taking over your interest in that AB contract. So what happens is you, you show Dave that contract, Dave signs the assignment, then you bring the AB contract and the assignment of the contract to the closing company or title company, closing attorney, and they then make the transaction they happen. They facilitate They it. facilitate the transaction between party A and party C. Yep. Now, you saw you me are, texting over here. I apologize. I lost my train of thought. I just want to make sure that we touched on one thing, though. When you are assigning a contract, the person that is considered the assignee, meaning the end buyer, right? There's an assignor and assignee. The assignor is the person that actually has the property under contract. And he is assigning his interest to the end buyer via an assignment 
So the assignee is who signs it. Now, again, I don't know if you touched on this mic or not, but this is very important. In order to do an assignment, you have to show them your original contract and they have to agree to all of those terms. Not some, all. Correct. They're taking if over your contract. They are basically stepping into your shoes to fulfill all of the items in that contract. Now, the assignment agreement will also have a cost. In order for you to step into my shoes to buy this deal, you have to pay me 10 grand. So let's say in our scenario, we buy it at 42, we sell it at 52, they're going to come to closing and they're going to bring 52,000. 42 of it's going to be directed to the seller and 10,000 will be directed to the assignor slash wholesaler. So I think the main point I want to make though is, is that they are stepping in the shoes of you and are then obligated to fulfill all of the obligations in the agreement. Great. All right, let's discuss the differences. When do you love it? Stuff Pros like and cons. That. One of the things that's just top of my head every time that we talk about um, assignments. Dropped it. <laughs> Oops. Uh, every time that we talk about assignments uh, versus double closing is when people talk about the legality of wholesaling and is it legal, is it not legal to market a property, et cetera, et cetera. In my opinion, the way that I interpret things, if you are double closing, you are physically buying that property. So you can represent that you are physically buying that property to the seller. If you have every intention of assigning and you only assign contracts, I do not believe that you should legally say you're going to buy that property. That's just the way that I interpret things. Yeah, you should just say, I'm going to find a partner. I'm going to find a par- partner. That's going to buy it, and we are going to buy we it, are gonna... not I. Exactly, because you Great have point. no intention. Again, that goes back to our intention thing. We had a conversation about this a few podcasts back. Um, so, again, that's just something I just that's a real, like that's, to get out It's a out really there. good point, Mike. Transparency it's... is the name of the game. You know, earlier we were kind of talking about when the buyer doesn't show up. And we, I think we skipped over that on this this we one. Did. Well, we did. We talk about talk. that. Yeah. But you want to collect uh, non-refundable earnest money on your B2C agreement, right? And the reason that we like that is because if they don't show up, we now have something that we can use to give to the seller to buy us more time, or we can make some profit for our time in the, in the meantime. Um, but it also secures their interest if they go open escrow and deposit that earnest money. Cool. Let's get back to the types of closes and the discussion about that. And pros then and we cons. do. We got to get into the weeds on that too, though, Dave. Okay. Uh, so pros and cons of a double close. Biggest pro: if I'm making thirteen, fifteen, twenty. Let's go big. Let's say you're making thirty-five grand. Thirty-five thousand dollars. And let's say that if I knew that as the buyer, I wouldn't be okay. Paying him thirty-five well, let's, grand. Let's use similar numbers. So, say Dave is buying this property for fifty-two thousand. He agreed to fifty-two thousand, and I'm making thirty-five thousand dollars as a wholesale fee. So, I've got it locked up for like fifteen grand or something like mm-hmm. that. I mean, if I'm sitting in Dave's shoes, I'd be like, I might be making a bad decision. Right. Like, why would I be paying thirty-five thousand dollars more? Just go find that deal. He found it. That property's fifteen grand. Maybe I should go next door and offer twenty five for the one next door instead of paying right. fifty grand. So for this the pro one. is is that there are, it's not as transparent. You can hide your purchase price. Wouldn't that be the easiest way to describe that? Yeah, you hide your yes, your purchase price and your fee. You're, you're, you're the yeah, money that you're it. earning. Great point for the work that you did. You're so hiding that your is fee. the pro. 
You're concealing it. Concealing it. It's not hidden forever. Yeah, 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 that's true. After a month or two, it's going to come out. But you're concealing it now to get the deal done. That's the pro of double closing. Uh, Another pro, and this is kind of a a long-term game here, is you are physically taking title to that property, and you are physically selling that property. So Why is that important? Well... So I'm going to, that's what I'm going into. Okay. <laughs> so from an accounting perspective, you are getting, um, you're issued, what are they called from the uh, title company or closing attorney? You're settlement statement. Settlement statements. Are, right. And at the end of the year, you're going to have to pay taxes on things that you uh, profited that, on. That you profited on. Exactly. So your financials are going to look pretty strong to a bank if you bought and sold $10 million worth of real estate in a single year. You bought, you know, $8 million and sold $10 million and you made $2 millions in profits. That's huge. Right. Uh, whereas if you just uh, assign it, it's just a marketing fee. There's no real uh, skin in the game there. Right, Dave? No, you you're absolutely right, man. I love it. That's exactly yeah. right. So the, the pros are you can conceal the profits. And it's going to help you with your financials later because you're going to show a lot of money going in and out of uh, your business. Correct. So that would be the two pros that we like. Um, another pro that I think is often mis- overlooked is depending on your buyer, you may have to take title before you can sell it to them. So there are scenarios sometimes with hedge funds or if we are selling to a buyer who's using hard money, they may not be okay with the signing they may require you take possession before you sell it to them. Now, it doesn't always happen that way, but there are certain scenarios that this happens. You have to take possession in some cases. So the double close is your only option. And again, it gets it done. What cons of the double close? Let's jump in. Cons of the double close. And this is, there's only one that really comes to mind for me. Cost. Yeah. Tip. You are paying the title company to prepare two sets of documents and basically do the work twice. They're researching... Well, they're providing a title policy twice, too. That's the bulk of the expense. Closing a transaction is 300 to 800 bucks, Mm -hmm. no matter what, typically, right? It's the title insurance policy that can be 800, 3,800. It could be five grand if the house is worth two million. 5,000 bucks. So the majority of your cost is the insurance policy. And when you double close, you got to get two of them. You got to. Get one for the buyer on the A to B and one for the buyer on the B to C. So hopefully you're not paying all those fees, but that's the thing, Mike. Cost. 100%. And it and it, it adds up, guys. It does. Even in, on a smaller deal, say you're only making $2,000, $3,000. If you don't think about that, you could be out. You could not make any money on a deal. You could actually have to bring money. There's been one wholesale, I think I brought like 30 bucks to it just because I really wanted to do the right thing. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you that. It was uh-uh. back in the day. Yeah, I think I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was 100 or something. Uh, not very much money. But yeah, I just wanted to get the deal closed. They already done everything. I just said, screw it. It is what it is. I've 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 tied this property up for so long and, you know, don't need to go into it. But yeah, so it's, it's the cost. Double closing costs more money. Bottom line. I don't yeah. know. Is there anything No, that's else? it. It's, yeah. it's that simple, guys. Don't overcomplicate it. So you got pros of concealing your, your amounts. Uh, what were the other things we talked about with the pros? Is uh, you get to add to your bottom add line. Add to your bottom line so your financial statements are going to look a little bit better. Um, you may have to do it in the event that the buyer requests it. Um, so those are going to be the pros. The cons are costs. That's it. 
Assignment, moving on. Assignment. Pros of the assignment. It's cheaper. It's way cheaper. <laughs> it's you, there's, there's zero zero cost to you as the wholesaler. To you as the wholesaler, if if you do it right, you right. Know, you can obviously negotiate in that you are going to cover something. But typically, an assignment just means, hey, you're going to step in my shoes to fulfill my agreement for an X amount of price that's that's going to be paid to me. That's it. It's that simple, right? So the pro would be cost. It's cheap, if not free. Now the con. Or cons. It's super, super full. It's just basically the opposite of the first thing. Is that your end buyer is going to know that profit. We already went through it. Like Dave would not be comfortable. I mean, even us as seasoned investors, man, it's a really big pill to swallow if somebody's buying a house for 15. 10 grand and and they're making 30, selling it to you for 40. And you're planning on making 40 after you rehab the whole project. Or maybe 15 or 20. Right. Right. So again, it, it's it's a very tough pill to swallow. Not saying that guy may not do it, and if you have a great relationship with them, maybe they will. But man, that's a that's a tough pill to swallow for a lot of people. So I would. Uh, so the con, the pro is cost. It's cheaper if not free. The cons are you can't conceal anything. You have to a give them your A to B, and have them agree to all of those terms and agree to the assignment fee. In order for an assignment to work, all of it. Here's another con. They're stepping into your shoes, Dave. If they don't fulfill that part of the contract, the seller has you as the person. Correct. And that's where the non, and we circled back from this earlier. We kind of spun off Mm -hmm. from it. We're circling back now. That's where some of the things in our B2C contract are going to vary from the A to B. Can we dive into this for a second? This is is the time. This is it. Okay. Number one. Remove all of the CYAs that are open-ended and that aren't defined. I just want to restate it just Please. so we're clear. We are going back now to our, our example at the beginning. So Dave and I were talking about purchase or selling the it's property. kind of hard not to jump around. I know. So we're going back to when Dave and I are, are negotiating on price. Dave says, yes, I want to buy it. So now we're talking about our BC contracts. Yep. So we're talking about what do we do so different. So I'm either going to send one to Mike. All right. We agreed. 55 grand. Same scenario. We're agreeing. You have it for 42. Mm-hmm. You're marketing it for 55. I went and viewed it and I say, hey, I like it, but I can only pay 55 or that's all I'm willing to pay. And you say, screw it. That's a great deal for me. Let's do it. I'm at 42. If I'm, my math is correct, it's a 13K spread. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So that's where we're at. That's where we're at. We love it. We're both happy. Dave's going to get a property he likes. I'm going to make a $12,000. Win. Yeah, exactly. Win. $12,000 fee. Seller. The seller's going to get to sell the property. Win. For the price that you guys agreed was fair, everybody's winning, which is great. So the difference between our AB and our BC contract now is what we're kind of going to discuss. Two ways this can work. I can send him a contract or he can send me a contract. Okay. Ideally, you want to have control. Right. If somebody sends you a contract, sorry, it's what they write. If you send it, you can write it. So please take off. That was exactly what I was going to say. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm sorry. Most of the time. I did not do that as much. Most of the time you want to. Send the contract because then you're in control of the language in the contract, just like you were when you were selling or when you were buying the property. So when you're in control, what do you need to do? A, remove the CYAs that are open-ended. Remove the based on partner's approval. Remove the contingent upon um, buyer's opinion of taxes, title, value. These are open-ended CYAs that are going to bite you in the butt. So if they want an inspection period, fine. Offer them one. Keep it short. It is going to have a deadline, though, right? Make sure that all of those contingencies that they have are defined, whereas your contingencies with your seller may not be as defined. Exactly. But that's the purpose is if they aren't defined as much, 
you have a lot of ways to get out. You're protected. But when you're selling it, you want to limit those ways out. It's just common sense. So removing the CYAs that are open-ended, define them if they are, if they do want some. And they may. They typically are. Me yeah. as a buyer, Mike as a seller, I'm going to say I need at least three to five days. I need a sewer scope and I need to do some inspections. But that's it. So if I can, if, if we can agree on three to five days and you have at least that on your end, we can get this deal okay, done. Okay, so I've got the AB and I've got plenty of time on it. And I say, Dave, okay, um, I get that you need to get a sewer scope and I get you want to have it under contract before you spend money to do that. How about three days? Can you do three days inspection? That way, you know, I'm a wholesaler. I've got to find a buyer. If you're going to back out, I need to know that, you know, right away so I, can time. so I can find another buyer and I don't burn time on my contract and my inspection period. Dave, what do you say? I say, great. Cool. Do you want me to send you a contract or do you have one that you want to send to me? Dave, ideally... I will send you a contract in 15 minutes when I finish typing it up. Right. Love it. So okay. Mike's going to remove those CYAs. And I'm going to put in there that Dave has three days to perform his inspection. Define it. Love it. That's it. That's it. And again, so then send it to Dave. Dave signs okay. it. Okay. Now, now we're going to add one more thing, Mike. We're going to mm -hmm. add the CYA to cover our This is extremely our important. B. This is you have your AB and your BC. Mm-hmm. So what is that and why and how do we add? Always cover your B, right? Always cover, Always your, B. cover your B. That's right. <laughs> so we put in our sales contract. This contract is contingent on the sellers, which is you in this situation, successful acquisition of the property. Of the property. Why? Why do we do that? Well, because Dave- In the event there's title work issues or the seller doesn't show up to sign or has a change of heart, and this happens, it's rare, but it happens- and they don't show up. Well, you've promised this property to a buyer. And if they don't buy it, you're out of contract. You've basically written and agreed to a contract that you can't legally even execute. Your control was removed by the seller not signing. So this contingency is nothing more than a legality thing to keep you from getting sued, right? And it basically says this contract, this whole deal is subject to me as the seller in this B2C scenario, acquiring it successfully. If I can't acquire it to sell it to you, then it's void, right? You can't sue me for breach of contract because this whole thing is subject or contingent upon me buying it first. So it's one sentence. The simplest way to describe it would literally be verbatim. Subject to to seller's successful acquisition of the property, period. And it is important, like Dave said, just avoid any issues because it, it happens, guys. We spend a lot of time finding the deal, marketing it, getting all the contracts lined up, and then something happens and you can't freaking close it. Right. And this isn't a so bad thing. I love adding this in there because I also want the buyer to know that I'm wholesaling it. And I want to be transparent. And I don't want them to not be transparent with me and not show up. I'd rather everybody be transparent. Hopefully we're friends and we can make a deal and everyone can be held accountable for those actions, right? So that's kind of where we come in with the B2C contract. So we talked about title companies and attorneys and why we use them and why they are there to facilitate and provide insurance, but also to have a licensed escrow account that we can deposit our earnest money into as well as our contract to get the property under contract. They also then facilitate. We talked about the two ways of, of facilitating. Double close, which has pros and cons. 
assignment, which has pros and cons. And then we talked about the difference of those contracts. Mm -hmm. Your A to B is going to be more wide with lots of outs. Your B to C is going to be more narrowed and defined with very little outs, or they are going to be defined why there would be an out and when. You have three days to get out in a three-day inspection period, but you got to opt out in those three days. If it gets to the fourth day, those are done. You're in. You're locked in. What do we miss? Non-refundable earnest money we need to touch on. Sure. And that's probably it. I mean, I can't uh, well, really think one, of one other thing would be um, why we always get a BC contract. Oh, first. First. So two things. Let's touch on those. I love yeah. it. Let's start with the earnest money. So earnest money, and this is one that's a little touchy in my opinion, uh, because I don't like to do it, and we buy a lot of houses. I it, don't. It depends on who you're working with. Yes. Two. Go ahead. Okay. So you're talking about non-refundable earnest money, and you would put that sometimes in your. Uh, BC contract. Let's your go sale big contract. picture. Earnest money is going to be required on your A to B and your B to C. Correct. Even with an assignment, typically, there's going to be some sort of earnest money, right? Typically. Not always, but typically. In your A to B, guys, you want to make it as low as possible. This is your money you have to put up. Mm -hmm. We do it for 10 bucks or 100 bucks, 80 to 90% of the time. Maybe on that 5 or 10% chance, we have to go pay 500 or $1,000 to appease the seller, but typically it's $10. Okay. So we have to deposit that with our contract. We now have control of this property. Well, when we go to sell it, we're not going to make it as easy for the buyer to just be able to walk away and only have damages of losing their earnest money. Instead, we're going to say, put some skin in the game. We want to see $1,500, $2,000, maybe $5,000 non-refundable earnest money. That money goes towards the price of purchase at closing. But if they decide to back out between now and the closing, that money is gone. So it basically holds their feet to the fire. Shit or get off the pot. Right? Mm -hmm. So we always require or ask for non-refundable. That amount can be whatever you decide. And Mike, you had mentioned earlier that, you know, if it's a buyer that we've worked with 35 times already, we're not going to require that. We know they're going to close. But if you are new to this business, and this is the whole purpose of this, of this podcast, for the people that are mm -hmm. new, if you are new to this business, and you don't know that buyer or you don't trust that buyer, simply ask or require for non-refundable earnest money. Get a receipt when they deposit that money and make it non-refundable either in your double close or your B2C contract or your assignment. Yeah, and I would just emphasize, though, be reasonable. Don't ask for $10,000 non-refundable earnest money yeah, on a $30,000 property. Love it. Uh, make sure you're getting deals done uh, with that. So then the second thing uh, that I mentioned was, why do we always do a BC contract before we do an assignment, Dave? Love it. So one, it's simple. We've got, uh, in our systems, we've got built out. It's very, very easy for us to create, generate, and then send a BC contract. Uh, the second reason is something we've kind of already touched on, is that assignment fee can be kind of touchy. Yep. So Say it's a it's a borderline deal. You know, we're only making four grand on it, but the total the total purchase price is only fifteen. So again, we bought the property for eleven, we're selling it for fifteen thousand, and the end buyer says, you know, okay, great. Well, same thing in that end buyer's mind, that's four thousand dollars towards a property that is only they're only paying for eleven thousand. That's a lot of money I'm hey, paying. That's to about somebody. a forty five percent. That's a rough estimate. Yeah. Markup. Yeah. Now, but, I personally wouldn't care about the four well, grand exactly. because we know the business. And thirty. But some people don't. may not like that. Yeah, they may not like it at all. So I want. And it may to, kill a deal. Right. So you want to 
get that BC contract, get that money, the, the earnest money deposited, and then get them to agree to the number. They don't already, need to know all of the numbers. They need to just see value in that number. Exactly. Love it. So then they are locked in. They're committed to purchasing. Then a couple days maybe go by and you say, hey, and you talk to your title company, obviously, and you say, hey, I'm not making very much money because I'd have to do a double close. So this $4,000 profit, just wipe $1,000 off the table. It's yep. going to go to the title company. It's going to go to three grand if I have to do double close. So now your skinny deal gets even skinnier and you're only making three grand, which again, it's a great payday. Don't get me wrong. But to try to save some of that money, you could assign it. So you would say, hey, Dave, Mr. Buyer, would you mind if I assign this contract to you? That way, you know, I don't have to pay the closing costs and, you know, it just saves me a little bit of money and, you know, you still get the property. They said, sure, no problem. Yeah, hey, no problem. What, what are you? I'm curious anyway. What are you into it for? You into it for 11? Oh, man, that's great. You're going to make four grand. I yeah. don't care. I am still happy at 15. I see value there. Right. But that saves Mike double closing costs, and it allows me a lot of transparency as the buyer to see what's going on. I already, in order to assign, I'm going to have to know that assignment number, but now I'm going to actually get to view Mike's contract to see, hey, what else did you promise? What else was included or excluded from the sale that I may not be aware of. It's going to give me insight to the deal. Right. So it's a little bit of extra paperwork. But again, we find value in it. I find value in it. I just think it's the right way to do assignments as well. Because otherwise, you truly, you have to present the original AB contract at the time you present an assignment contract. You do. They, they, it has to be done together. It can't You be. can't just say, here's an assignment. Well, think of it this way. If you did it, if you did it that way, and you didn't have them both, and you said, hey, I want to assign my interest in this property to you, but I don't know when it's going to close or what inspections you still have left. Or what you promised or to Or what them. you promised right, to them. You and I'm just going to sign and say, okay, I'll do it. No, I need to know all of the details. So I'm exactly. Just, the AB contract could say that the seller is removing the HVAC system. Like, yeah. you don't know that. You got to know that. Again, stuff. so if I'm taking over that contract, I want to know what's in it. Love so it. So that's why we use that. I think that's pretty much everything we have on closing deals uh, for today. Dave, you had anything else you wanted to add? No, guys. I mean, it, it's very, very simple. Um, this is the fun part. This is the part. I think that we're, I mean, we, we almost didn't even talk about this, but this is where you get paid. Yeah, that's the fun part. I mean, this is where all of the car or all of the progress and work that you have done up into this point is actually realized. You actually get a check from a title company or a closing attorney, you know, on the day of closing or maybe the day after, depending on if funding is delayed, but you get to reap the benefits of your efforts. So getting paid is really what it comes down to. Selling deals, we've been talking about it for 35 minutes at this point. The easiest way to sum it up in like, let's say 30 seconds-ish, is there's two ways to go about doing it, title companies or attorneys. There's two different types of contracts. You can double close, which is two transactions, or you can assign your interest in your agreement to another party, which will end up being one transaction that you just get paid for. And that's it. You get paid. And that's closing a deal. It's really not that hard. Build a relationship with your local title company or closing attorney because they are going to be your best friend. They are going to help you get these deals done. Don't think that you need to know about title or about liens, or about payoffs. Title companies and closing attorneys, they do it all for you. And they are basically like our best friends in business, Mike. Mm. Like our company is best friends with a title company we want to be, right? Like they are our closest person um, to helping us 
solve these problems, which is basically what we do. We solve problems and we get paid. And that, my friends, is what selling a deal is all about and what it consists of. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to the Discount Property Investor Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to help us reach a wider audience. To jumpstart your real estate investing career, please visit freewholesalecourse.com, the most complete free course on wholesaling real estate ever. We would also appreciate it if you left us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you in advance for your support. And remember, you make your money when you buy and you get paid when you sell. Now let's go build some wealth.